My brothers and sisters in the Lord, there is a story, a true story that comes out of Canada maybe about 10 or 12 years ago. And it was a story about two young boys, brothers. And these two brothers were sort of having fun in the neighborhood. And there was a Toys R Us store that was not far from their home. Now, this was before Toys R Us went bankrupt, but there was a Toys R Us store. And so these two little boys, they made their way into the store. And they found one of these pre-constructed playhouses where they entered into the playhouse and eventually the two brothers fell asleep. And they slept so long that the store closed. The lights were turned out, the doors were locked, and when they woke up, they realized they were locked in the Toys R Us. Now, at the same time, there were about 150 people along with the parents searching the local neighborhood for these two young boys. And they weren't discovered until the next day, the next morning, when the manager of the Toys R Us went in and opened the doors and turned on the lights and found them. And he was being interviewed by a reporter, and one of the questions the manager was asked is that, how come it took so long to find the boys? How come an alarm or something didn't go off? And the manager said it was simple. They never tried to escape. My brothers and sisters, putting two little boys in a toy store all night, they never tried to escape. In fact, when they found them the next morning down the main aisle of the Toys R Us was a trail of open toys and empty potato chip bags. <laughs> Temptation! The two little boys didn't want to leave. My brothers and sisters, all of us have experienced temptations in our life, and on this first Sunday of Lent, we hear the gospel of Jesus fighting the temptations of the devil as he goes into the desert. Jesus experienced temptation just as we experience temptations. After Jesus is baptized in the River Jordan by St. John, the Spirit leads him into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights where he fasts and where he's tempted by the evil one. And we see, my friends, that those temptations, the first one, of course, turn the stones into bread. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. Some of us can't go 40 minutes without eating. And he conquers the first temptation and the second temptation about all these kingdoms can be yours if you worship me and going to the height of the temple and throwing himself down to test the Lord God. But it's very interesting what the evangelist writes right at the end of today's gospel. I don't know if you caught it. It was the last line. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. Notice it doesn't say that the devil gave up. It didn't say the devil threw in the towel. It says the devil departed from him for a time. It was sort of a strategic retreat because we're going to see temptation come back when Jesus is in the garden. And he has to decide whether or not he's going to unite his will to the will of the Father in going to the cross. Let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. You see, my friends, even in our own lives, we are all tempted. 
And even after we conquer certain temptations, the devil doesn't give up. Because there's always some other door way to come at us. There's always some other means that he can use. The strategic retreat until a more opportune time. But one of the things, my brothers and sisters, as we hear the gospel today that's important to us on our Lenten journey and certainly on our lives, in our lives as disciples of the Lord is how Jesus dealt with temptation. Jesus was able to deal with temptation. He was able to conquer temptation. And the reason he was able to do that, my friends, and he shows us the pattern, because the Lord understands that there's a great connection between our thoughts and our deeds. A great connection between our thoughts and our deeds. And in understanding that, Jesus is able to overcome temptation. Now, I want you to think for a moment. In the Our Father, the prayer that Jesus gave us. Think of the last part of the Our Father that we pray so often. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. Now, what do you think that means? Do you think that means God takes us by the hand and says there's some, there's some temptation over here, and so I want to lead you over here to see what you're going to do? Or I like the image, you know, if the temptation was a swimming pool, you know what happens when someone stands at the edge of a swimming pool? What's the temptation for all of us? We want to run and push them in. Is that what God wants to do? He wants to run and push us into the pool of temptation. But you see, my brothers and sisters, what the Lord is getting at, leading us not into temptation, is that oftentimes, my friends, in our life, it is much easier for us to seek forgiveness than to truly pray that God will keep us from the path of temptation. And what do I mean by that? Because oftentimes, my friends, temptation seems to be very alluring. Temptation seems to be something that we really desire, something that is quote-unquote fun. And I don't want to take all the fun, quote-unquote, out of my life, so I can't take all the temptation. And so oftentimes, as we hear the expression, it is easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Many times in our spiritual life, it is easier to ask for forgiveness and to pray that we are not led down the path of temptation. That all of that is taken away from our lives, that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And we see this great connection, as I said before, between our thoughts and our deeds. Jesus says in the Gospel of St. Matthew, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oftentimes, my friends, the temptation begins in the heart. It begins in our thoughts. And those sinful thoughts and those sinful that, that leads us into those temptations often then manifest themselves in our deeds. There's a great connection there. My grandmother had a saying. She says, oftentimes, opportunity only knocks once. But temptation keeps banging on the door. It doesn't give up. And we have to learn how to fight it. And how do we fight it? We look at Jesus' example when he begins his passion, his walk in the garden, St. Luke's Gospel. Then going out, as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him, when Jesus arrived at the place, he said to them, pray that you may not undergo the test. Pray that you may not undergo the temptation. Pray that you may not fall in to the devil's trap. 
You see, my brothers and sisters, how do we overcome temptation? It is by our prayer. It is by our connection to God. It is by our desire to unite our heart to the sacred heart of our Lord. It's our desire to live a life that is holy and wholesome and filled with goodness and truth and beauty. But temptation always is calling us in the other direction. Because you see, my brothers and sisters, what is the fruit of temptation? The fruit of temptation, the rotten fruit of temptation is sin. And sin, as we know, is destructive in our life. It causes chaos and mayhem. I often use this example with school children, but it works great with adults as well. Oftentimes, my brothers and sisters, we can think of ourselves as a little locomotive, a little train. And the little train goes back and forth on the same tracks all the time. In one direction and in the other direction, on those same tracks. Until one day the locomotive says, you know, I am tired of being on these same tracks. Wouldn't it be nice to go in a different direction? Wouldn't it be nice to jump the tracks and go over to the right or to the left? And then one day, the little train gives into the temptation. And he jumps the tracks. And we all know what happens when a train jumps the tracks. There is a crash. There is a catastrophe. There is a disaster. That's sin, my brothers and sisters. Because oftentimes we say, you know what? I'm tired going down this narrow road. But this wide road over here, there's all sorts of things over here that kind of fit my fancy that fall into my human brokenness. Maybe I want to go over here, and we decide we're going to jump the track. And we end up in our sin, and all the things that sin brings in our own lives. Because you see, my brothers and sisters, when we speak about sin, when we speak about evil, evil is always anti-life. Evil is always anti-life. Think of the word evil, E-V-I-L. Take those letters backwards. What is it? L-I-V-E live. Evil is always anti-life. It's anti-everything that brings us life in abundance. It is everything that goes against God. Sin is destructive to healthy relationships, to healthy bodies, to healthy souls. It means death to everything that is good and beautiful and wholesome and lasting. And that's, my friends, is what we're called to avoid as we avoid our temptations. One author puts it this way, and I quote, we snicker when the actress in the Broadway musical Oklahoma sings, I'm just a girl who can't say no. We smirk when Mae West sighs seductively, to error is human, but it feels divine. However, in a day in which one out of two marriages will end in divorce, when a record number of children will grow up in broken homes, when white-collar crimes are counted in the billions, when young lives are being drained and often destroyed by drugs and alcohol, when untold millions live in emptiness and despair, guilt, and brokenness, it is time we deal with the power of the tempter in our lives. For you see, most of us can handle the big crises in life. It is the little foxes that eat the vines that often get us. And that's an image from the Old Testament. But that's true. We can handle the big crisis, the big temptation, or we see it coming. But the little ones, those little foxes that eat the vines, that's where the devil gets us. For example, 
you're at work, and you see some pencils there, and you say to yourself, you know they've got a lot of pencils here at work. I need a few pencils, so I'm going to take some home. That's not stealing. They got plenty. And so then the next day you see some post-it notes. Oh, I need some post-it notes, so I'm going to take some post-it notes home. You know, the company, they have a lot of money. They can afford more post-it notes. So we take some home. Next week, we end up in the copier room. And we need copy paper for our printer at home. And you know, the boss just doesn't pay me enough. So I'm going to take some copy paper. And by the end of that journey, we're in the petty cash. You see, my friend, that's how it begins. It begins with the little foxes that eat the vines. And it grows into something bigger. You know, you can use that example for anything. We go to the fast food restaurant, and they put all that wonderful sweet and low and sugar out there on the counter. And boy, I need some at home, so I'm going to fill my bag. Because you know, I paid too much for this sandwich anyway. They owe that to me. Little foxes that eat the vines. You see, my brothers and sisters, we could use all sorts of examples. But the question is, are we constantly fighting against the temptation? And how are we victorious? We're victorious through the power of Jesus. 1 John 4, 4. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And so by our union with the Lord Jesus, by our constant prayer, by our acts of penance and self-denial, we drive temptation out. And we also understand, my brothers and sisters, that oftentimes as we're doing those things, the Lord may not always answer in the way we desire. He's going to answer, but it may not always be exactly how we have asked for it. I love the example, and many of you are familiar with the story with St. Augustine and St. Monica. As a young man, St. Augustine was a lot of things, but he wasn't a saint. And St. Monica, as a devoted mother, she prayed for Augustine, and she prayed for Augustine, and she prayed for Augustine for his conversion. And then one day, Augustine says to his mother, I'm going to Italy. And St. Monica said, you cannot go to Italy. She said to herself, there is too much temptation in Italy. My son can't go to Italy. There's enough here. Italy may still be like that, my friends. I don't know, but that's a different topic. But there's too much temptation in Italy. And so she prayed and she prayed, but Augustine got on that ship and he got off in Italy. But what happened when he went to Italy? He met St. Ambrose. And he was caught by the preaching of St. Ambrose, which was a seed of his conversion. Monica's prayers were answered, not exactly as she thought, but they were answered. You see, my friends, that's how the Lord works. But we have to constantly fight against the temptation in our own lives. And by the power of the Lord Jesus, he does make all things new. But the Spirit of God, my brothers and sisters, that, are, that is in you and that is in me, that Spirit is greater than the one who is in the world. Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us.
And so my dear friends, let us stand and let us profess our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things 